talk about what's your view this morning, where there's all kinds of views that are taking place in the world that we are in, which we're very aware of, and depending on a variety of things that we like. So we're going to be in, in uh, Luke chapter 15, it's page 1035 if you uh, want to read the Blue Bible. Michigan, 
dabbled for a couple hours in Michigan. He said, is all that there is in Michigan is Cleveland, really? Because his view was one of Blackland, and that was, uh, I did not know, I need to uh, talk about Indiana people for a moment, but uh, when my kids were being raised in West Michigan, and they saw all the lakes, like you get to see in the rivers and all that kind of thing, and then that's the other part of the lake. Uh, and then we, we were called to pastor in Lockwood, Indiana, which is a great place to be. If you're going to be in Indiana, Lockwood's the place to be. I'm going to say that kind of a little bit. But anyway, so Lockwood's a great place. Because it has the hills and rivers and all that sort of thing. So we left Michigan and we're traveling down. And in Indiana, life's a little bit different than Indiana. We're talking about what to do, right? So sometimes an expressway will come by and you will dig out from overpass and that becomes a lake, say. And people go straight up sailors all around there and they tell that they go camping around the the sky. And he sees this place after place as we're going down 55 and he says, Do they call those sometimes lakes? So they came to our own, we're talking about what's your view, see? And I said, yes, Jack, you have to understand that sometimes they don't have the Sinawag area and some of those kind of great places like the Pacific and those kind of things enjoy. So, so what's your view? In Luke chapter 15, we find that there's three particular views. We know that this is about the lost sheep, but this is still one of the few stories that is told about this particular time that Jesus shared. And we need to ask the question, what is your view? We're going to read from Luke chapter 15, as the writer Luke shared. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you have a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Would he not have 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Father, we pause at this moment to think about our view. What is our view as we see Jesus at work in our lives? Or maybe if Jesus does not at our work in our lives, God, what is our view to God, to others that are around us? And so, Father, I pray that we would focus on your word and that you would allow your word to speak to our hearts because we know, God, that's what it desires to be. It is the living word. It's God's word is enough to transform our lives. So, God, what is our view? May our view be that of Jesus. So God, let us grasp that this morning. 
to the God as we listen and as we hear and as we are thinking of the Lord's Supper of communion, we remind you again that Jesus died for us so that we would have forgiveness of sin and then we would go tell others about Jesus who loves us and who does his life for us. I believe there are two Jews here at this particular time. There is the view of the tax collectors and the sinners, which is found in that verse. Following that is the view of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And then we discover the view of Jesus as it shares about the law of The tax collectors and the sinners, they wanted to hear Jesus. Did you see that in the first sentence? It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear him. See, this is a time of discovery for them. They're trying to figure out who this Jesus was. And in the world today, there are many people trying to discover who Jesus is. They hear about him, but they don't know him as Lord and Savior. There are a whole group of individuals that live in our neighborhood who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and they are still in the discovery phase. They're trying to figure out what we do with the Christ. What we do about this message that Jesus Christ gives you as one of searching and searching for truth. Some search for a variety of things in their life, not knowing really what they are looking for. Now, sometimes we are told that all the people in our area that we come in contact with know Jesus Christ. That is a lie. Because it is truly told. That's what you gave a statistic the other day about the people in the Bay area that uh, over 50,000 people do not have any connection with any particular church in this particular area. And so when we think about that particular thing, and we know that there are less people in church today on any given weekend, and we think not that recent, two years ago, David Wilson gave a survey, and only 17.2% of the population of North America were in church on any given weekend. 17.2%. That was down from 21% probably 10 years before. And so we discovered that there are a lot of people that are not connected. They're either unchurched or dechurched or never ever been connected. And so we know that there are people that are searching and they need to discover what it is. We like the tax collectors and the sinners. So we need to find out what this message is that is spoken about that they could hear. There must be more than just searching. There must be discovery. There needs to be a connection with Jesus Christ. And sometimes you and I are that only link to God and Jesus Christ. Secondly, there's the view of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. We find that in the second sentence of the first. It says that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they muttered. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. There's a view of pointing fingers. It's the view of being judgmental. And we can find that in this world, there are many people who fall in this kind of category, who are Pharisees and teachers of the law, who are often highly recognized, maybe wealthier than others, but realistically, they're self-absorbed. 
the fingers annually point downward at the rest of the people who do not need to stay up. This is a view that is often found, unfortunately, in Christians. We can be a part of the Pharisees and the tribe, those religious leaders, who realize that there are people that fortunate to them that have all the gifts and as Pastor said, we can take some hand goods for them and give those to the rescue mission, do those kind of things, and we can help others. But instead of just taking hands or point fingers and saying, these people are in great need, and yet do not help them. And we need to discover that we need to not be like the Pharisees and the scribes that are pointing fingers at others. Now, there's probably some words that could be in the political thing, but we're not going to go there. Uh, they used to have a little dandy in the seminary, and they were in a political season, too. Uh, they were elected the president. They elected the president of Zambia on August 11th. They found out who was elected on that Sunday following. It was on a Thursday, and they finally found out who was elected president of Zambia. And it ended up being incumbent with all kinds of things about voting and all that sort of thing. The only thing was there were nine candidates for being president. And uh, we came back home and I said the very first thing I said was, you know, uh, we were just in Zambia and it's political season and voting for president. And I think I would take any one of those nine candidates over our choice. And I thought, oh, that probably was not the right thing to say. That probably was not politically correct. I want you to know. But anyway, we honor that. And we need to realize that there are many people that are pointing fingers at others, and they are like the scribes and the Pharisees. They are religious leaders, and, and some relationship of having this religious relationship has not a relationship with God that points out the need of others to help. It has particularly gifted vocation of being in North Michigan. We have the opportunity of serving people and looking around, and there are not lots of different uh, types of, of people groups in North America, North Michigan. We have a scattering of, of uh, Native Americans. We have some Hispanics. We have some Black Americans. We have some Redneck. And we have some Loopers. All different cultures that we face. And we have an opportunity to reach out. Or we have the opportunity to point fingers, much like the scribes and the Pharisees did. And we need to understand that the view can be one of searching, or the view can be one of pointing at others. And we need to understand that no matter what the difference is in cultural, Relationships. Men and women, boys and girls, need to know that Jesus died for them. That's the simple message that we find in John 2. The message that we learned early in, in the junior church, or maybe it was senior church, but when we came to Christ, we learned that message that God so loved the world that He gave. One and only son. So that we might be saved. And it doesn't end there. John 3 17 says, For God sent the Son of the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 
not about pointing fingers because somebody is different, somebody that is wrong. It is about trying to discover how we can reach others and with the good news of Jesus Christ, the view of the tax collectors and sinners were searching. But the Pharisees and the scribes, they were pointing fingers and they were being judgmental wherever they went. We must guard against them. About Jesus in the one speech that he talked about going out and finding. In the world that we live in, somebody has said, and then documentation is sufficient that 75 percent of the churches in North America are either static or in decline. And 24 percent of the churches in North America they grow because this group of kids decided to leave this particular. Whole place that they and they went to this other church and became that. So twenty four percent of those churches that grow because of that, and only one percent grow because of reaching God's people. And we need to be a people that reaches out. It says the view of Jesus was that they noticed that someone was missing, something was missing. The story is told here about the man had the full attention of the shepherd most of the time. But here, as Jesus looked at the shepherd, there were many misunderstandings, and there was one that was missing, and we needed to find that one. Today, we need to have a view of who does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And how can I be the messenger of Christ to them? It's the message of Matthew 25, when Jesus said, Who is it among us that is sick? Or in prison, or who needs clothing, or who needs to be visited, and who might be a savior. And it says in Matthew 25, 41 through 30, 43, that they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger, or needing clothes or sick in prison, and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for the one of the least of these, you did not do for me. You and I, according to Matthew 25, are to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, reaching out and sharing a cup of water, helping to close, caring about them, but more than any of that, we need to be the messenger of Jesus Christ, and we need to be people who are not complacent, but are burdened about people who need to know Jesus Christ. Pastor Mark this BWC discipleship that happened. I'm not going to jump into it because we're going to talk about it tonight. But, but it, we don't know anything about it yet because you're going to learn about it tomorrow, tonight when you come back. But it's the message of when people are touched and reached and you're um, ministering them, they can be right there. How do we connect them to the church and how do we bring them there? How do we care for them and how do we continue to help them grow? And see them as a family, as they come in and as they receive. How do they grow so that they too are strengthened in relationship with God? You have to wait till tonight to find more about that. So come back for that to be the case. We need to realize that we have a view today. Each one of us. Each one of us carries in our hearts and minds and soul and spirit. 